Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. All right, well, let's jump into what we're talking about today. We are wrapping up a series called Small Things, Big Difference. And today, as we wrap this series up, I want to cover one small thought that we've come back to again and again, and is that, and it is that one thought has the potential to propel you into more of what God wants for you. I believe that one thought has that power. Now, for some of you, you'd say, Aaron, how can you say that? Well, I, I believe something. I believe that something as small as a thought can change your destiny. Why? Because thoughts become words, and words become actions, and actions become habits that ultimately shape the very destiny that you have. Something as small as a thought, something as small as a word can change everything about you. When you see successful people in life that you admire, something about them, something that they have, you look at them and say, man, I wonder what it is that they did. It was probably this big commitment, and you immediately feel kind of down or defeated because you're like, man, I could never do that. I could never become that. I could never have that kind of marriage. I could never be financially free. I could never have that kind of relationship with God. I'll bet that person spends three hours a day on their face praying. What about? I don't know, but I'll bet that's what they do, and come to find out, it's not as big as you think. It's small things that they did. In fact, that's our our key thought for this entire series is that it's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things everyone wants. And so where we've been in this series is I ask you to think about one word that would be your North Star for the year, that would kind of guide your thoughts, guide your actions. One word, that was week one. Week two, I asked you to, to come up with a thought, a thought that was either related to your one word or not, but a thought that you would, you would think about yourself or about your situation. One thought. And then the third week, I challenge you to come up with a statement that was relative to that, something that you could begin saying, because as your words go, so does your life, right? The words that you speak can change your life. And so this week, those words that you're speaking will ultimately lead to your actions and the disciplines that you have in your life. And that's what I want to talk about, because we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. So we're going to talk about our disciplines. Now let me ask you a question, and this is for all of you, so play along whether you want to or not, or whether you usually raise your hand in church or not, play along, okay? How many of you would say that you are a highly disciplined individual? Let me see your hand. This is about the same as it was first service. There's like four of you. That was it. Yeah, yeah, five, five of you. All right. How many of you would say that you're not a very disciplined individual? Let me see your hand. Some of you are so undisciplined, you're not even going to play along. You're like, nope, I'm not even raising my hand. Can't even be bothered to do that. No, seriously. I would argue with those of you that say that you are not disciplined. I would argue with you. I would make a case for it and say this. It's not that you lack discipline in your life. Because all of us are disciplined in different ways. To do different things. It's not that you lack discipline. It's that you are not disciplined in the right things. And in the right ways. That's what, that's what I would say about you. you. You can push back and you can argue with me and say, Aaron, but look, I'm not in good shape. I'm overweight. I eat all the wrong things. And I would say, all right, well, let, me, let me back you up here. Let me show you how you have some disciplines. 
How many of you on a regular basis, and you don't have to raise your hand anymore, just, just think about this. How many of you on a regular basis, when that alarm clock rings in the morning, you hit it two to three times? Right? Oh, I, we got a hand anyway. Thank you. <laughs> he, had to, he really needed to get that off his chest. That was me. That was me. But you are disciplined to do that. When you wake up in the, fir- in the morning, the very first thing that you do is after turning off the alarm for the fourth time, you grab your phone and you open up to your social media accounts to see how many notifications you have and to see what everybody had for breakfast and or dinner last night. If you do this and spend way too much time in bed to the point that you are almost late for work and didn't get a chance to get breakfast, let alone help the kids on their way out the door, you are disciplined to do that. That's the wrong kind of discipline. It's the if you're not disciplined in the right things. Or if you are somebody who, who plays video games or watches binges on Netflix on a regular basis, when you have chores or things you need to attend to, then you are disciplined to do that. You are disciplined to play those games. You are disciplined to watch those shows. You do have discipline. Some of you would say that, that and if you still don't believe it, many of you in your life have never missed a single meal. It's because you are disciplined to eat three times a day or more, right? You do have discipline. You're not lacking for it. You're just disciplined in the wrong ways, disciplined in the wrong things. That means just taking that energy and shifting it. See, your enemy in the world wants you to believe that you lack it. And then you go on this, this weird adventure to try to find it. You don't lack it, you have it. You need to engage it in a different way. And so if you want to be disciplined in the right way, I think first you need to understand what discipline is. You you, you need to get it. So here's a definition if you're taking notes. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. All of you have some success in some area of your life In, in, in some way whether it's relationally, financially, in your career, spiritually, physically, socially, you're experiencing some kind of success in your life. And when you look at those successes, you will find that it's disciplines along the way that led you to those places of success. If you, are, are, if you have a good marriage, you better believe that there are good disciplines in place, D- disciplines that, that you guard your, your tongue and what you say to each other, The way that you argue and the way that you communicate, there's some disciplines in place there. The way that you talk about each other, the way that you talk about the kids, the way that you set up time. Maybe you you set up like a date night. You have discipline. There's there's a couple in my church. I don't mind calling them out and saying it. Jen and Chris, where are you guys? They have a date night every Friday night, don't you? And they will will look at you and tell you, nope, we can't hang out with you because we're hanging out with each other. They have a date night, a regular date night. They will say no to everything else. That's a discipline. That's a healthy discipline. If you're finding success on your job, you better believe that you have had some disciplines there to educate yourself, to maybe go a little further, whether it's a formal education or whether you've gone and gotten an additional certification. You've put in extra time on the job. You've worked extra hard. Maybe you've sat there through your lunch hour and ate on your lunch hour when you should have been taking a break, gossiping about the neighbors with your coworkers or talking about the latest TV show. You're set at your desk and you pounded that keyboard until you got the job done. You have put in a little bit of extra. These are disciplines. Or if you are successful financially, I guarantee you, you will find disciplines at work in your finances. Because I guarantee you, you live below your means 
that you have savings, that you have a plan for retirement, that you have disciplines in place that have made you successful, whether you are out of debt or working to get out of debt. Where you find success, you find disciplines. Now, it's the same is true on the other side. Where you find that you're not doing so hot, relationally, mentally, socially, spiritually, physically, and any kind of, kind of Lee you can think of. When you're not doing well in those areas, it's because you're not executing these disciplines properly. And it's not that you don't know what they are. Most of the time, when we're lacking in any area of our life, we know what we ought to be doing. We know what we need to be doing on a daily basis, the small things that make a big difference. We know. And sometimes it's not that we just don't do them. Sometimes we get started doing them and we just kind of are inconsistent. I'm guilty of that. I'm absolutely guilty of that. My one word, you guys know my one word for the year is health, right? My one word is health. And so you know that that means that I got a diet and exercise plan. And, this, and, and I'm only talking about this because it's samesies right here. You guys, we were just the same, okay? You and me, we're the same people out here. You're inconsistent in some area of your life, so don't you get all Judgy McJudgerson on me, okay, when I tell you this. But on Monday, I'll get up and I'll go to the gym, and man, I have an incredible day. Tuesday, I'll be active and I'll go out walking with the spiritual ramblers at their grow group, and we'll walk around the park. Wednesday, I can find something to do to, get my, to, to continue to get the, uh, the cardio. But Thursday comes, and man, my shoulder's kind of hurting, so I skip the gym. And then Friday comes, and it's a little cold outside, and I, 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 I waffle on my commitment to go to the gym. So I, Saturday comes, and I could probably get two in on Saturday if I needed to to make up the last two days, but it's Saturday. <sighs> and then Sunday, well, we go to church on Sunday, and I'm just exhausted after church on Sunday. I'm not doing anything. And so goes the process. So goes the cycle. We're just inconsistent, or maybe it's, it's food. You do really good all week long on your diet, and then what happens? Saturday comes along. You've, had, you've done really, really great all week. Saturday shows up, and you go to the men's breakfast, and they're having cornmeal, pancakes, and sausage patties. Dear Lord. I receive it, Lord. I do. I just had a moment with me and Jesus. That's some good stuff. But you say no to it, and you have your eggs and a little nibble of somebody's bacon, because at the men's breakfast, you have to have a little bit of bacon, or you're in trouble, right? Take your man cart. But you did well, and Saturday activities get going, and then all of a sudden, you kind of forgot about meal planning, and you're hungry, and you need to eat. And so because you didn't plan properly, you got to make a run for the border. That's Taco Bell, for those of you that don't know. And because you've ruined yourself at lunch, when dinner comes around, you're ordering some Vicks pizza. Come on, double pepperoni, somebody. A Raider size, and that's all just for you. You got another one for the wife and the kids. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We kind of, we're inconsistent in our commitments. It's not that we lack discipline, we have it. We're just disciplined to, to do the wrong things. And I understand that. You understand that. And it feels really good to know that you're out there laughing, but you're also there with me. But it feels really, really great as a, as a Christ follower to know that I'm not the only one that's struggling. To open up my Bible and find a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, and find out that he was inconsistent too. This guy's a spiritual champion, man. And he had the same problem. This is what he said in Romans 7, 15. 
He said, I don't really understand myself. Any of you there from time to time? Don't really understand yourself. I don't understand why I just said that. I don't understand why we're having this argument. I don't understand why I feel this way. I don't understand myself. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anybody relate? Doesn't that feel good to know that we're all in the same mess? This, this is just life. And then Paul says, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. Now, doesn't that sound like today's generation? That's <laughs> not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Whatever. Nobody takes responsibility for anything. But, but Paul's not doing that. That's not the game he's playing here. He's not going to blame it on somebody else. Here's, here's what he says. I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. It's the sin that's in us. See, we're all born with sin in us. And that nature is not a disciplinary, a disciplined nature. It's a tendency to do things that don't draw us closer to God, that, that take us further from him. We want to do right. We have a desire to. But our sinful nature draws us towards the things that are not right. They tempt us to do that which is wrong. And if you understand this cycle, if you understand this desire to do good and you don't, or to have something you don't want to do and yet you do it anyway, if you understand this cycle, you wind up just like Paul. You wind up saying this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Exclamation point. And I imagine as he's writing this, Paul threw down his pen and stormed out of the room and maybe took a walk around the block to cool off a second. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Because he's miserable. How many of you understand that? You have an area of your life that you want to change. There's something that you don't want to do, yet you do it anyway. The things that you, the thing that you want to be, you can't seem to obtain it. That cycle of being drawn away from that which you want by your sinful nature makes us miserable. And Paul declares, what a miserable man I am. And then he goes on because he's not just going to leave us hanging. He says, who will free me? Notice the words that he's using here are words that speak to bondage, to being imprisoned, like he's shackled. And stuck. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But he's got an answer. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice that he does not point to a principle that will help you out. People want to give you the 10 golden keys to your abundance and the five golden keys to having health now and the seven things you ought not eat and the 10 things you should do, right? They want to give you principles for your life, but Paul doesn't even point to any principles. Paul simply points to a person, and he says that person is Jesus. That person is Jesus. Who can free me? It's Jesus, our Lord. 
He's the one who can free you. With Christ's help, you can change. With Christ's help, I can change. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world. Do you know who he is? Yes, he's the Savior. Yes, he's the Messiah. But do you understand that Jesus, who is fully God, left heaven and clothed himself like a man and walked this earth and endured everything that you and I endure? He was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. That's what scriptures say about him. He was tempted just like us. He understood what we are going through because he went through it and he overcame. He overcame. And so he's saying, don't stress. I overcame the world and my spirit is now going to dwell in you. And because I overcame, you are now an overcomer. You are somebody who will overcome this sin inside you that leads you away from me. By the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, he'll not only help you, but he'll teach you. The Holy Spirit is called the counselor. He is our teacher. He will teach you all that you need to know. I lived this out. Many of you know that part of my story is years ago, seven, eight years ago, I was I, I had been trapped in a life of addiction to pornography. See, they didn't talk about it in drug terminology then, but they talk about it like that today. And I didn't understand how to get free. I didn't understand why I would shake and convulse if I didn't view pornography. I didn't understand what was going on with me physically. Why I would exhibit symptoms of going through withdrawal when I tried to quit watching it. Today we understand Today, there are, there are, are scientific, record, uh, scientific um, data that, that tells us why. We understand it. We understand that it affects our brain in the same way that heroin affects your brain. But I didn't understand that then, and we didn't have resources then. That's recent stuff. But when I decided that I wanted to be free, when God spoke to my life and he said, you're going to be free from this thing, I said, then you're going to have to teach me. You're going to have to show me. And so for the next year or two years, the Holy Spirit began to teach me, and he began to teach me about guardrails in my life. He began to speak to me about the environments that I found myself in. He began to speak to me about limiting certain things in my life, getting rid of cable television in my home, having accountability partners, having people that I could confess to. He began to teach me these things, and he would speak to my heart, and I would just do them, and then I would find success. And he would give me the power to have that success. And years later, I remember I'm reading books now. I'm reading books now where they talk about this in a very scientific way. And I come running into the room with Shanda, that's my wife, and I said, babe, look at how they're talking about this. This is what they're telling us to do. And she's like, why are you so excited about that? It is not Sunday morning and I am not your congregation right now. What is happening? And I'm like, you don't understand. See, this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And this is what I did. This is what I felt him leading me in my heart to do. I didn't read that from a book, and I'm not that smart. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been in bondage in the first place. Hello? And I didn't have the strength in my life to break that power over my life. That came from him. That wasn't from me. He helped me. He taught me. He empowered me. He changed me. And Christ in me is stronger than my desires to do the wrong things. And Christ in you is stronger than your desires to do the wrong things. We are more than conquerors through Christ. He overcame and we will too. The spirit inside of you will teach you and he will enable you to do 
what you cannot do on your own. That's that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You need to understand that that's reality. That's, that's real. And he will make you spirit disciplined, not self-discipline. There's a difference. We're not really good at being disciplined ourselves. He will make you spirit disciplined. So what do we do? How do we do it? Come on, let's talk, let's, let's talk like, how do we actually do this? How do we get from point A to point B, get from where we are to where we need to be, which is disciplined in the right ways? What, what does that look like to be disciplined in what matters most? Well, Paul, again, is going to teach us. And Paul's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And Paul is teaching them using a running example. He's, 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 he's saying, all right, here, here, here we're going to talk about it within the, within the terminology of running. Because he knew that the people in Corinth would have understood that. There was these, this race, this, this uh, very, very popular race called the Ithmian race, or the Ithmian games, which was a big race. It was kind of like the Olympics today, okay? And so he's writing to a culture that would have understood this big race. They would have understood what the athletes go through. They would have understood that winning this big race was kind of like winning the Olympics, right? There was glory and honor that would come from it. And so, so they understood that. So he speaks to them in terminology of a race. And he says, don't you, this is 1 Corinthians 9. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? And then he says a very common statement that was said to the athletes. He said, so run to win. Well, duh. But I'm going to say it to you now. We're all in a race. Whatever it is you are trying to get to, whatever that thing is that you want most, is your race. Run that race to win. How do you do that? How do you run that race to win? Well, Paul says it. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. It's in your training. It's when you discipline yourself. You can run with purpose. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And all these athletes were disciplined in their training to run and win. And they weren't trying to win the bronze. They were trying to win the gold. There was only one winner, and everyone wanted to be it. Everyone wanted to be the gold. They were running with a very specific purpose in mind. And so I'm telling you that if you are to get from where you are now to where you want to be, which is having the proper disciplines, you must run with a purpose in mind, a specific one. These athletes, once they were chosen, they went through a 10-month preparation process where they submitted to daily training in a gym that was a coliseum that was open that people could come and watch them as they trained. They submitted to, to a strict diet that did not allow any junk food and no alcohol at all. 10 months of this. And not only that, but they intentionally exposed themselves to cold environments and hot environments. And they would run in these environments. They did this so that on the day of the race, no matter what the weather was that day, they were prepared. Then no matter what they faced, they were ready to go. This was their training. They even learned to run naked. And they did this because if they were wearing their outfit as they were running and it started to rain, all of that gets a little heavy. The more water you carry, the heavier everything is. They didn't have wicking shirts like we have now. 
They didn't have skimpy shorts that, you know, the water and everything just runs off of it. So they learned to be okay with running naked. Now that's a feat in and of itself. Are you with me? Are you visualizing that for a second? Are you thinking about what it would be like for you to have to run naked? Are you thinking of all the dangers and how careful you would have to be in running just on dirt roads, naked? Right. Ouch. And then consider the fact, consider where you are if you're in fourth place. What are you looking at to try to get into first? If that ain't some motivation to be in first place the whole time, I don't know what it is. Because that's not what I want to see as I'm trying to run. I mean, I'm, allegedly, you're in Corinth. This should be a beautiful area. You know what I'm saying? Mountains and all kinds of stuff. No. We're looking at butts. Yeah. Come on. That, that was real stuff. But they were running to win. And they disciplined themselves and trained themselves so that they could win. So they were prepared that no matter what they faced, they could win. Paul says this. He said, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You know what their prize was? It was a wreath of green leaves that would eventually fade away. In addition to that, the glory that would come from winning, you go back home and people will remember your name for so long until the next guy wins or girl. And then where is your glory? It fades. It's not eternal. But that we're running a race for something very, very different. We're running a race for eternal glory. We're running this race so that we can stand before God, having given all that we have inside of us to glorify him, to bring honor to him, to live a life in such a way that people look at us and we just point to him and say, this is what's made a difference in my life. This is what's different about me, and it's Jesus these are eternal things. These make an eternal difference. That prize will never fade away. And so we aren't self-disciplined. We are spirit-disciplined. The spirit helps us overcome the power of sin. Jesus does this in our lives. So Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. He's letting you know, hey, you're not, you're not fighting against something that's imaginary. This is real. You're fighting against an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's not, it's not fake. It's, it's, a, it's a real enemy. He says, so I discipline my body like an athlete because there's a real adversary. Because there's somebody out there that's trying to stop you and destroy you, I train. I prepare. I'm ready. I discipline myself. Training it to do what it should. Why? Because your body wants to do what it should not do. You, you, you hear people call it my flesh. My flesh wants this. My, and my fleshly nature. My carnal nature. You, right? It's what, it's what it wants to do. But I train it to do what it should. And the Spirit of God will help you do this. To discipline your body to do what it should. So that you can choose what you want most over what it is that you want now. Ultimately, so that you can give and point glory to God. That's the point. That's the point. When you get this, when you understand this, when you understand that there is a purpose behind your running, 
It becomes so much easier to do. Yes, you're going to have to grit your teeth some days, but it becomes you are driven by a purpose. Suddenly, you'll be able to say no to food, to say yes to better health. Suddenly, you'll be able to say no to this material thing so that you can say yes to financial health and getting out of debt. You'll be able to say no to this event so that you can invest in your, in your family. You'll be able to say no to your selfishness so that you can build a better marriage. These disciplines you put in your life, you'll find purpose in them, and you'll be able to run with purpose so that you can choose what you want most over what you want now. Now, if you're sitting there and you think this is easy for me because I'm a pastor, let me help you out. I'm going to take one step to the side. Take a look. I am not disciplined. I have disciplines. But I am not disciplined in every area of my life. This is not easy for me. It's a struggle for me. Talk to my wife. She will testify about my undisciplines. I'm the guy who does the laundry. I'll wash it. I'll fold it. I'll put it in baskets and take it upstairs. And then I don't put it away. You say, oh, that, that's all you got? No, no, wait, I'm just getting started. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. I wait till the last minute and then I stress out completely. And when I stress out, I'm miserable. And that means everybody around me is miserable. My family, my wife, my coworkers, which is really weird because I'm the only staff person on the church, right? So, but, <laughs> but, but nobody's happy when I'm undisciplined. And I wait till the last minute. Sometimes I don't want to be dad at home. Anybody ever been there before? But I just, my name is Aaron. I do not want to be dad right now. In fact, y'all can just duke this out, and I'm going to sit here and eat popcorn while you do it. <laughs> That's going to leave a mark. Right? Don't judge me. You know that's you too. If you don't have kids, it will be. You don't want to be the authoritarian. I like to eat junk food. I like to sleep in. This is not easy for me, but just because I stand up here, just because this is my job, don't paint me that. It's not easy for me. Christ helps me choose what I want most over what I want now on a daily basis, on a, on a daily basis. And here's the thing, when I tap into that power that is available to me, I gain spiritual momentum. What do you mean? Say, so what do you mean, Aaron? Let me explain in a book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which I highly recommend, he talks about keystone habits. This is one habit that you do that maybe you don't like to do it, but that you make sure you do it. And when you do it, it gives you momentum. Because you did one good thing, maybe early in the morning, it's best to do it early in the morning, so that the, or whatever your day looks like at the beginning of your day, so that the rest of your day you have momentum to do the other things. It's a keystone habit that if you do it, you gain momentum and you'll likely do the things that you know you need to do. You have this forward motion, this forward spiritual motion. One guy I heard talking about this, he said that flossing was his keystone habit. Flossing. Because he hates to floss. But when he does what he doesn't like to do, that he knows is good for him, that he should be doing, the rest of the day he finds it easy to do the other disciplines that he has in his life. I know for me, my keystone habit is to read my Bible. That's my keystone habit. 
I get up in the morning and I read my Bible. I pour a cup of coffee and I do that. I call it my Jesus and Joe time. Leave me alone. And when I don't have Jesus and Joe in the morning, here's what happens. Or when I do, here's what happens. I find it easier to do what I need to do next, which is go to the gym, to eat properly throughout the day, to make decisions that show my wife that I love her, to make decisions that show my kids that I love them by not yelling and speaking gracefully to them, having mercy. I find it easy to love my neighbors. I find it easy to love my coworkers, which, you know, that's just me. But all the other disciplines that I have in my life that I know that I ought to do, I find easy. Why? Because I gain momentum by doing the first one. Gain momentum through this keystone habits. When I don't, buddy, it is a rough day. When I miss my Jesus and Joe time or it's not what I wanted it to be, that is a hard day for everybody. At the end of the day, I feel defeated. I am miserable because I, start, I said, well, I messed that one up. I might as well not even do this one. And if I didn't go to the gym, I might as well not even worry about how I'm eating and what I'm putting in my mouth today. Oh, and, and because I messed this up and I didn't spend any time with Jesus this morning, I may as well go ahead and talk to my wife any old way that I want to and yell at my kids and make everybody else miserable because misery loves company. That's not just a saying, it's true. And I feel miserable because I didn't put those disciplines in place. I didn't execute all day long. We need, to, we need to have a keystone discipline or keystone habit that will determine the rest of your day. It will give you momentum one way or the other. It's your choice. And when I do, when I, when I do what I know that my keystone habit, God helps me choose all throughout the rest of the day what I want most over what I want now. And every time I make that choice, I get more and more momentum forward in my life. And I, it's easier to run a race run a race that really matters with a specific purpose in mind so I can discipline myself like an athlete would and ultimately I'll be able to glorify God as a result so every week I've given you questions I've got on your business a little bit and some of you have been open enough to share with me as I've asked you questions and asked you to write things down and I think that's really awesome but understand you don't need to shout it out today or you don't have to share it with me it's just nice to know that somebody else is on this journey too so here's your question for this week. What do you want most? What do you want most? And you should, you should answer that for yourself. And I would challenge you to write it down. What is it you want most? If you're not married and you want to be married in the future, write it down. If you're married and you want to have a better marriage, write that down. If you want to lose 30 pounds, write that down. If you want to quit a habit that you have in your life, maybe, if, maybe it's dipping or maybe it's smoking. I don't know. What it is, whatever your, that habit is that you have, you've been trying to quit, write it down. You want to get promoted on the job? Write that down. You want to be close to God this year? Write that down. You want to get your cholesterol down? Write it down. You want to be free from pornography? Write it down. You want to be out of debt? Write it down. What is it you want most? You have to decide that so that you can run with purpose. What's your purpose? What do you want most? And then once you decide what it is that you want most, you need to, to determine what your run looks like. And you do that by answering this question. What do you need to do now to have what you want most? 
What do you need to do now to have what you want most? Answer that question for yourself. Write it down. I'm going to say this. If you're here to get baptized today, we're going to do baptisms here in just a few minutes. You are dismissed. If you'll just stand up, head out the back. Ryan is right there at the doorway. He will meet you in the foyer and guide you to what you need to do. It's where you change your clothes. But go ahead and do that. The rest of you stay where you're at, okay? Don't move. Look, if, if, if you decided you want to lose weight, then maybe you need to hire a trainer. Get some skin in the game. Pay a trainer some money. Maybe it, it, if you decided you want to get closer to God, pick a Bible reading plan. And then invite somebody else to read along with you. Maybe get a couple friends for accountability. You want a better marriage. Maybe you need to do like Jen and Chris have done and commit to a date night. Commit that night, every week or once a month, whatever that looks like, to a date night with your spouse. Maybe you need to commit to praying with your kids. Maybe it's put, put God in your, first in your finances and trust him with the tithe. Maybe you just need to get into a grow group and you need to let go of your excuses of why you're not. Well, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't have the answer. Jump in. Jump in. Some of you, you want to be free from pornography. You need to start putting some guardrails in place. You need to limit your access to certain materials and maybe to computers. and certain. You need to start considering those things. Maybe you've got some apps or some social media that you need to delete from your devices so that you don't have access to it anymore. Others of you, maybe you just waste way too much time and you say, I, I need to reclaim my life. And you just need to delete games and silly things that you look at all the time from your phone. Delete them from your life, not just from your phone. You know, as I was going through a shift in my life to change from being a porn addict to being free, this phrase came up over and over again in my life. Some can, I can't. Maybe you need to decide. Some can, I can't. Whatever it is, as you run with purpose towards what it is you want. For me, you know my word for the year is health. That's my North Star. My thought for the year is I am free because I think of myself in terms of bondage because it's been a lifelong struggle for me. So my thought is I'm free. My one statement as we've gone through this I've shared for the year is because I'm free, I will live accordingly. And the one thing that I'm going to do because I'm thinking about this in terms of freedom, in terms of bondage, in the same way I've thought of porn addiction, I'm going to take all those habits that I learned and I'm going to apply them to my health. Environments, access, accountability, confession. That's the one thing I'm going to do. I'm just going to focus on that one thing. And that one thing, those small things that I will do, I hope that at the end of the year and in the next three months, you'll begin to see a difference. Because I'll start wearing clothes that I haven't worn in a long time. You'll see it. Like, where'd you, did you get a new shirt? No, it's just been sitting in my closet the last two years. At the end of the year, I hope to have a very, very different year. A very, very different body. Because of small things. These small things make a big difference. And with Christ's help, I know that I'll be able to do what I, and become what I want most. And you can have that too. You can do the same. Because small things will make a big difference. I believe that. Because remember, it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everybody wants. Remember that your thoughts matter. Your life will always move in the direction of your thoughts. 
The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts matter. Your words matter. What you speak towards others can be life-giving or life-taking. And what you speak to yourself can be life-giving or life-taking. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. So if you want to change the life that you have, you have to change the words that you speak. And when it comes to what you do, you need to run to win. You need to run with a very specific purpose in every step of your life. Disciplining your body to do what it should do. Why? Because you are what you repeatedly do. With Christ's help, you can choose what you want most over what it is that you want now. And I'm telling you this, that if you'll do this, that in time people will begin to look at you and they'll desire what you have. They'll want to know what it is about you. And you'll be able to say, it's, it's Christ who's made a difference in me. And when you point to him, it leads others to him. It draws them into him. And they want that. It's a small thing that makes a big difference. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its power to make a difference in our lives. I thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to teach us and to empower us to obtain that which we want the most instead of that which we want now. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be faithful in the small things so that you can trust us with the big things. I pray, God, that you would help us to choose between what we want now so we can achieve what we want most. I pray that you would help us in this one discipline that we have determined for ourselves. Help us to talk to others, to form accountability partners, and to see your power at work in us to do this, all so that we can bring you glory. Help us, Lord. As we continue to pray, if you're here today and and you'd say, Aaron, I'm not in a relationship with God. This is... You're talking about a, a, the Spirit of God that's at work in you, and that's, that's not even me. I don't, I don't have that. But you identify and understand that sin nature. You understand that thing that draws you away from the good that you want to do. That's in all of us. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And because of that sin, we are separated from God. And every time we sin more and more, we are, we're just drawing ourselves further and further apart from him. Without God, that sin rages in us, destroys our relationships, it corrupts our thoughts and our attitudes, and ultimately destroys our opportunities in this life. But God wants you free from those things. Unfortunately, there's nothing you and I can do to be free from the power of sin in our lives. There's nothing we could say, there's nothing we could pay. There's no amount of good works we could do or way we could spend our lives that would ever break that power of sin in us. But God sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross. And when he did that, he paid the penalty for our sins. He did that so that you and I could be made brand new. He did that so the power of of sin and death could be broken in our lives. Oh, and in all this, not only are you adopted into a new spiritual family, but you get to spend eternity in heaven when we leave this world. That's amazing to me. And he did all this as a free gift for us 
today I'm going to pray a prayer for those of you that want to accept this free gift to make Jesus Lord of your life. In other words, he's in charge. You don't have to be perfect. You just need to commit to following him. This could be your one thing this year. This could be your one purpose. And so I'm going to pray. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer, would you just let me know that by slipping your hand up? Do that now. Would you just put your hand in the air and say, that's me. Yeah, that, that, that's me. If you're watching today live by Periscope, look, I believe if you'll pray with us now or even by podcast, if you're listening, I believe that if you'll join us in prayer right now, that God will meet you at your point of need wherever you are in this world, wherever you are in your life. It doesn't matter if this recording is 10 years old, 5 years old, or it's just listened to on the same day it was recorded. I believe that God will meet you right now. Pray with us. Would you all join us in prayer so that nobody's praying alone? Pray out loud. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, that you died on the cross and rose on the third day, that you did all of this in an act of love for me. Thank you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus. Take my life and give me yours. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.